I don't know about you, but nothing says the peace of Christmas to me like the chaos of shopping um, and preparing for the Christmas season. And, and maybe you uh, have that situation where you're trying to find the perfect gift for someone, and, and maybe it's to the extreme where that perfect gift just happens to be the number one selling gift of, of all time. And uh, maybe some of you uh, can relate to the folks in that movie, these two dads that are, are trying desperately to get a hold of this Turbo doll uh, or Turbo Man doll, and they're willing to do anything they can to get their hands on one of them for their kid. And so what's supposed to be this peaceful time of the year, what's supposed to be this peaceful season, has really turned into this season of chaos and this season of fights and violence. And as we follow these two men uh, that really battle each other and anybody else that tries to stand in their way. And uh, maybe you're, you've kind of felt that and you're, you're not trying to get your hands on a Turbo Man doll, but maybe it's something else that you're trying to get for somebody else. Or, or maybe it's not a specific gift that you're trying to get. Maybe it's just the, the schedule that happens this time of year and all the preparation and all the parties and all the scheduling that this kind of turned what should be this peaceful time of year into chaos and frustration and uh, time of stress and aggravation. And for some of you sitting here this morning, uh, you can probably relate to what those two guys were going through uh, because what they show on the outside is what you feel on the inside. You probably wouldn't hit somebody with a bag. Maybe you would. Uh, you probably wouldn't run over somebody with a little remote control car, but maybe you would. But, but on the inside, that's kind of what you feel. And it's anything at this moment except peace and tranquility. And for some of you sitting here this morning, I'm going to be honest with you, just because I know a little of your situations, for some of you sitting here this morning, your situation has nothing to do with the stress of Christmas. It's just because life has suddenly thrown you this curveball in the last three, four weeks that has really just kind of added chaos and frustration to your situation. And it may not have anything to do with Christmas. But I found this one author who said, I find it odd, juxtaposed to the joy and peace of the Christmas seasons, often anger and frustration caused by the human spirit. He says that every family wants to experience peace at Christmas, and every individual wants to experience peace at Christmas, but too often there is conflict where there should be peace. And some of you this morning may be sitting here, and some of you watching online, you may be feeling that conflict this morning. You may think that, yeah, Christmas, I just can't wait to get it over with. I just can't wait until this time has passed, and finally my schedule can go back to normal. And if that's you this morning, maybe that's not you, but I think it's time that we, we kind of step back for just a moment. I think it's time that we kind of just pause and reflect on what this moment, what this season, and what this time of the year really represents. And to help us do that, we've, we've gone through Advent. Last week, you guys kind of started uh, with me not being here, and uh, the guy Chad filling in for me did a great job. Uh, starting you off on Advent, starting you off on this, this season of knowing there is hope, knowing there is peace, and the promises that God has made. And so last week, you focused on hope and this promise of hope that God gave through this guy named Simeon and, and really through the whole world. And today we're going to look at another promise. It is that promise of peace, uh, that regardless of what we're going through, regardless of where we're at in life, there is this promise of peace. And so we're going to look at two different scriptures. One of them is very familiar. It's in Luke chapter 2. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. And uh, it, it is part of the Christmas story. You're going to be very familiar with that. And so you may want to just slide your bulletin in there, put your pinky finger in there, hold your place there. Because before we look at Luke chapter 2 and the fulfillment, we're going to look at the promise. Right? And the promise 
of the peace comes in Isaiah. Again, another familiar passage, Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 6 and 7. And this is a familiar part. If, if you've been around church, you've probably heard some of these stories and in, in, in these passages, and maybe they're new to you, but there is this beautiful promise of peace that we have, and then the fulfillment of that. So we're going to start by reading Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 6 and 7, and then we're going to flip over to Luke chapter 2. Um, and you can follow along with me in your copy of the Bible or on the words uh, that will be on the screen beside me. But Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name, and excuse me, he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. All right, so there's the promise. Then we want to flip over to Luke chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 8. The familiar Christmas story is the fulfillment of that promise. So Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord, excuse me, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today a Savior, who is Messiah the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be a sign for you. You will find the babe wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. Finally, verse 15, When the angel had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the power in your name. God, we thank you so much that we can speak the name of Jesus over all of our fears and all of our anxieties, over all the chaos and frustration that is our life and our situation that we are currently in, Father. God, we simply speak your name, knowing that your name is power, that your name is peace beyond all understanding, Father. And so, God, it is on the name above all names that we call to this morning, Father. God, I pray in the midst of the stillness of this moment, God, let there be peace. Let it to be everyone who's sitting in this room, everyone who's watching online, everyone that will hear the words of your truth this morning, Father. God, I pray that you speak peace as we speak your name to our hearts this morning, Father. God, I pray that we listen. I pray that we respond and enjoy the peace that only you can provide, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you watch the news or pay attention to the news, but uh, for almost a year now, we have watched as war has raged in Europe between Russia and Ukraine. And uh, at different times, it seems like one side has an advantage over the other, that one side is gaining ground, and another side then will kind of push back, and they'll kind of gain a little more ground. And, and so most of the world has, has been acknowledging this terrible tragedy that's been unfolding. And, and as this has happened over the last several months, and, and almost a year now, there have been several attempts to try to start peace talks. 
talks. That they kind of want to bring these two nations, the leaders of these two nations, to a table, and they just kind of want to sit down and, and see, hey, can we work this thing out? Can we, can we talk this through and figure this out without having to, to do this conflict, without having to lose lives and destroy buildings? Can we work this thing out? Can we peacefully negotiate this thing? And what I've found kind of following through and trying to follow these attempts at peace negotiations is that they're having such a hard time to get them to sit down because they can't really even agree on what peace would look like. They can't really even agree to start this conversation because they don't know how to define peace. What would peace look like in their current situation? And then even if, if all of a sudden both sides said, hey, we're just done with this, we'll just kind of push the reset button and we'll go back to how things were in January or February of this year and we'll go back to our home, you go back to your home. Even if everything just went straight back to normal as it was a little over 12 months ago, there still wouldn't be peace in that area. You see, both sides still would live in this tension that just across this border, this imaginary line that runs between our country and your country, there is people on the other side that do not like us. There are people on the other side that have built this massive army, and they've already come, they've already kind of destroyed us, they've already caused damage, they've already caused uh, this, this terrible situation. And, and so they would, even if everything went back to how it was just 12 months ago, a year ago, there would be this uneasiness in the situation. There would be this tension, this, this apprehension that loomed in the air, and there would be this uncertainty that would hang over both sides, just kind of wondering when the fight would start again, when it would all would resume, and, and just when the next bad thing would happen. And I share that with you because we see that in our lives. We see that as a, a situation that our world's dealing with. But I want to share that with you because it's a picture of kind of the place that Israel is at in the time of the prophet Isaiah. You see, Israel uh, is, is in this kind of tense and uneasy situation that's growing between them and the nations that are around them. Isaiah is writing during the time the Assyrian Empire is growing. And the Assyrian Empire is expanding, it's getting bigger, and it's stronger, and it is really devastating anybody that tries to stand up to it. And they are really just rolling from one country to the next country, just wiping out countries. And they are not just wiping them out, they are obliterating the armies. They are, they are being uh, just overrunning everybody that stands up to them. And, and with each victory, they get stronger and they become more emboldened to expand and take over more territories. And, and so if you kind of want to put this in perspective, you kind of think of Israel being Ukraine, this small little nation, and there's this massive enemy that's just coming, kind of the Russia in that picture, this looming, and the attack is just inevitable. We just don't know when it's coming. But see, I'll tell you the difference between Israel and Ukraine is that Israel didn't have all these Western allies to keep feeding them weapons. They were loners. They, they had nobody. And so they were kind of sitting in their territories, just kind of looking over this border and be like, we know they're coming. The question is when. And the question is how long it's going to take. And the question is, are we going to be able to do anything? They're so big, they're so powerful, they're so strong in the midst of battle, and, and they're so devastating. And what they're able to do, is there anything we can do. And you see, this is the world that Isaiah steps into. And this is the world that Isaiah is really writing about. And in the midst of this, Isaiah doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't tell them, hey, everything's going to be all right. It's going to be fine. They're just going to turn around and go the other way. He doesn't tell me. He says, listen, this is bad. You need to know it's bad. And they're coming. But there's a promise that comes with it. 
There's a promise of peace that he gives them, even in the midst of this bad situation, even when everything is bad and everything really looks bleak for them as a nation. There is something they can look forward to, and God gives them this promise that one day there will be peace. And this promise is found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And it's not coming through this military victory. It's not coming through the Assyrians kind of withdrawing. It's coming through the birth of a child. I want you to look with me. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, he writes this. He says, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Now, before we move on to verse 7, I want you to notice the tense of every one of those verbs in that passage. Right? There, there will be a child born to us. A son will be given. The government will be on his shoulders. His name will be. All of those are will be's. They're all future tense for the nation of Israel. And so they're facing this terrible disaster. They're facing this enemy that's coming at them. And Isaiah steps in. He says there is a future promise. There will be a time that things are different. I want to point all that out to you because when we get to 7, verse 7, the verb tense doesn't change, but the kind of focus changes just a little bit. I want you to look now with me in verse 7 because in verse 6, he points them all forward-looking, all these future promises. In verse 7, he continues that, but he makes them look back for just a moment. In verse 7, he says the dominion will be vast. Again, future tense there. And his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. And the seal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. You see, all future promises, all future tense for sure. This child will come and he will be the Prince of Peace and he will reign on the throne of David. And this is historical context. And so he's got them forward looking and he says, but I want you to remember what we're talking about. I want you to remember, he's coming to rule on the throne of David. You see, in anybody in those days, and anybody who grew up in the Jewish time, even today, the time of David, when David was on the throne, those were the glory days of Israel. Those were the heydays. Those were the time when, when Israel's kingdom was expanding. Those were the times that, that Israel was at its best, that, that they were actually united with Judah, and so the two countries that are now separated were one country, and their territory was expanded, and everything was going well for them, and they had a strong military, they were prosperous, they were a wealthy nation, they established trade partners, and, and most of it part, they were at peace with all of their neighbors, and things were going really good for them during David's time. Those were the good old days and the glory years of nation or the, of Israel as a nation, and the people knew it for sure. But the problem is Isaiah is not writing in the time of David. David has been dead for about 180 years, maybe almost 200 years at this point. And so honestly, we find ourselves, some of you maybe kind of find yourselves almost in this exact situation that you're in a place that looks like pure chaos. You're in a place that feels dark. You're in a place of tension and discomfort, a place of uneasiness and anxiety. And you find yourselves longing for those good old days. You find yourself longing for a simpler time, a time when things were just safe and a time when things were secure and a time when things were just so much easier than they are right now. And if you could just get back to that time, there was this time of comfort and there was this time of peace. And if you could just get back to those. But all you see in front of you is chaos and all you see going in the future is destruction. And you're, you're just so longing for those days, but you know those days are never coming back again. 
You see, those are the times that we need to remember there is this promise of peace. And the child that was future for them is past for us. This prince of peace that was coming to bring chaos or bring order to our chaos and justice to our corruption and righteousness to our sins. This prince of peace who has a dominion who will never end. This vast dominion, which means there is this prince of peace who now is who covers every aspect of your life. This Prince of Peace who can take every aspect of your life, work, home, jobs, school, whatever it is, every aspect, it all falls under His dominion. And He is the Prince of Peace, meaning He can bring them all in alignment together. You see, this idea of peace is this idea of wholeness, that everything fits together perfectly, kind of like the the, uh, gears on a motor or the gears on a clock, or that everything just fits perfectly perfectly as it should be and this is the promise that Isaiah is giving the people that even though there is times that you don't see it and you don't feel like there is this prince of peace who reigns both now and forever and so when chaos encircles us we need to remember this promise when we think that our best days are behind us we need to remember the promise when we're looking out and all we see is an overwhelming enemy that's ready to destroy us and take us down we need to remember the promise a peace that stands before us. You see, it doesn't come from David. The promise of peace comes from a promise keeper who supersedes David. He is the promise keeper who goes with all truthfulness and fulfills every promise that he made. You see, the strength of this promise is not in the nation of Israel. The strength of this promise is not in the power of David. It is in the power of God who gave this promise to the people. And it doesn't matter what the situation looks like, The strength is in the one who makes the promise, the assurance of the promise. But the beauty of this promise is it's not just reserved for a select few group of people. It is open to everyone. You see, we're going to flip to Luke, and Luke starts his account of Christmas, and he kind of gives this historical context. He kind of wants to let you know what's going on, time frame in the world, and and why Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem. So he kind of starts big, and then he zooms in kind of at the birth of Jesus for just a couple of chapters. And then he zooms back out, starting in verse 8. In verse 8 of chapter 2, he writes this. He says, In the same region, shepherds were standing out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flocks. And we read on in verse 9. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. i got to imagine that if any of us, as big and strong and mighty as we think we are, Were these shepherds, I think, terrified would be an appropriate word for any of us in this room. You see, here are these guys who are out in the middle of the field. They're minding their own business. They're just watching these sheep. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this angel appears. And you can read, we've talked about this before, you can read any description of an angel you want to. Every one of them, the first, almost every one of them, the first words they say are, do not be afraid. The reason they tell you that is because they are terrifying to behold. I want you to imagine you're just sitting in this field, everything's quiet, everything's calm, and all of a sudden there's something where nothing was before. And this something is not just something, it is a massive, mighty angel. And he's standing there and there's lights, the glory of the Lord's there, so there's kind of brightness. And and all of this is happening, and these guys are terrified. 
And, and then all of a sudden, this angel comes with this announcement. He tells them about the birth of Christ, the birth of Jesus. And, and for so many of us that are familiar with this story of Christmas, we forget the significance of this moment because there's, there's this idea that we have this distorted view of shepherds that we have that happened in those days. You see, we have this distorted view of shepherds because for some reason, arts, artsy people and artistic people, uh, artists, that's the, that's the word I was looking for, artists, they kind of distorted our view of what shepherds look like. In our mind, because this is a picture we've seen, we see pictures of shepherds who are these, these cute little young guys, and they're dressed like in these white robes, and their clothes are spotless, and they carry this little staff in their hand. And, and some of them are so cute, they even have this little lamb that's like laying up on their shoulder. Some of you have seen those pictures. This is what we picture a shepherd being. Can I tell with you that almost every part of that, except the staff, is wrong, all right? These were not cute little young guys. These were the rough and tough guys. These were nomadic herdsmen that, that basically made their living going around, sleeping in fields day in and day out, moving from place to place, anywhere they could find for their sheep to graze. That's where they went, and that's where they moved. And they slept out in the field with their sheep, and they, they did carry the sheep when they were small, when they had problems. But they, they, uh, they were, because of, of where they were at and the, the heat of the day and the... the, uh, the sheep that they were in, they, they weren't exactly spotless. Their, their white robes were not white by any means, and they didn't smell good. They smelled like sheep who had been out in the field all day long. They didn't smell clean. They didn't smell good. But i got to share with you that even the smell was not what turned most people off of shepherds. You see, shepherds had a reputation of being untrustworthy. They had this reputation of sailing and taking things that didn't belong to them. They had this reputation that, hey, if you had a nice grassy field that you cared for, and my sheep could get in that field before we got caught, we're going in that field. And if I happen to take one or two of your sheep with me when you run me out of that field, so be it. This was the reputation of the shepherds. You see, it's very different than the fluffy little white sheep that we see on those pictures. It's very different than the cute little shepherds that we see on our manger scenes, our nativity scenes. And, and, and for most of society, they considered a shepherd as second class and at best. And they treated them as the lowest of the low of the Jewish society. And, and being a shepherd, I'm going to be honest with you, being a shepherd was a job that you got when you couldn't get any other job, right? There was no Jewish kid that grew up and be like, you know what I want to do when I grow up? I want to be a shepherd. Like, that's just what I want to do. I just want to go hang out with the little sheep all day. I just want to hang out with animals. No. No dad was like, hey, what does your son do for a living? He's a shepherd, and I'm so proud of him. It was like, what does your son do for a living? <coughs> shepherd. Like, it was one of those things that nobody desired to be. And yet, this is the people, this is the people that get the announcement of who Christ is. These are the people, the very first people that hear about this fulfillment of peace that happened 700 years ago in this promise. The angel didn't come to announce Christ's birth to the religious leaders. He didn't show up in the temple. He didn't go to the priests. He didn't go to the political leaders. And he didn't go to the powerful or even the richest man in town. He goes to this group of nobodies. This group that everybody else has written off. He goes to this group of people who every day in their life is a struggle. He went to this group of people that thought there was no such thing for peace. And if it was, it wasn't for them. And, and they went to these people that their very existence was a struggle day in and day out. And yet he comes to them with this announcement that peace is 
for them. We read on in verse 10, and we find out this announcement that was made to them. It was made for every, everybody. In verse 10, the angel says, Don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Did you hear that? All people. And for the very first time, these shepherds said, You know what? All people? That's me. I'm a person. I'm an all people. And this promise that is good news, this promise that is going to bring joy, it includes me. And for the very first time in maybe my life, and very first time for a long time, I haven't been forgotten. I get to be included in this story, and I get to be included in the good news. You see, the beauty of Christmas is a reminder that you have not been forgotten. It doesn't matter what other people think about you or what the world says about you, that God has not written you off, that He doesn't see any of us or anyone as second class and not worth His time or His attention. In fact, the Christmas story is what reminds us how much He cares for each and every one of us, that He came to our struggles, He came in our difficulties, and He comes to us and He gives us peace that only He can offer, and He comes to us in the midst of our struggles and our difficulties, regardless of what anybody else says or how tough our life is, it's then that He steps into our life. You see, the beauty of the Christmas story is that peace is available, not just to those who have it all together, but to those that nobody else wants it to have together. See, when we understand that, we begin to see that peace is not this absence of conflict or, or a perfect situation in our life. Peace is really the assurance that we have to be in the presence of the God Almighty. See, I read a story this past week or a couple weeks ago, actually, about a rich man, and he loved art. He wanted a, p a picture that portrayed an image of peace. And so he did all that he could. He shopped all the local galleries and he couldn't find anything. He talked to artists and he couldn't find any piece that was out there that, that portrayed peace, that gave a perfect picture of peace. And so he decided, being rich, that money could buy it for him. And so he decided he would have this contest. And he announced this contest that was open to anybody. Anybody that wanted to present a piece that portrayed, or a picture that portrayed peace was open to this contest. And he would, would gladly pay for the piece and give this massive prize to whoever could picture peace and capture peace in a picture. And so he announced the day of it, and, and the day came, and uh, these artists started bringing their pictures in. They had them all covered up because that was the rules. And, and so he had them all lined up there. And, and the group came in, and he started on one end, and he began to remove the black coverings off of each one of them. And as he removed each one of them, people would clap, and they would cheer, and they would say, oh, that's, that's such a beautiful picture. And he got down to the last two, and there were two pictures left. And he got down to the next to last one. He pulls the black cover off of it. And the story says that this hush fell over the crowd. You see, there was this mirror-smooth lake reflecting these uh, lacy green branches under a soft blush of the evening sky. There's a beautiful sun picture. And there was this grassy shore and a flock of these beautiful white fluffy sheep just grazing completely undisturbed in that picture. And the crowd just sat there, speechless, and they thought, surely this is it. If there's ever been a beautiful picture of peace, this is what it would look like. This is what we imagine peace to be, this unstained, unhindered, and completely undisturbed moment where these sheep don't worry about a thing. You see, but a few moments later, he goes to uncover the last piece. As he uncovered the last piece, the crowd gasped in, in surprise because this was not at all what they expected. You see, this piece, this painting, looked to be the total opposite of the one beside it. 
You see, this piece was this massive waterfall cascading down this huge rocky cliff. And there were these huge ominous clouds gathering in the background that looked like thunder and lightning could just roll out of them at any moment. And, and as the people began to look at it, they could almost hear the thunder. They could almost feel the cold mist of the spray of the waterfall. And, and they could almost just see the, the struggle of it all. And then they saw in the midst of the waterfall a tree clinging to the very edge of the waterfall. And it's one branch almost daring to reach to feel the full power of the waterfall. And then in the midst of all of that, they saw the image of peace. Because in the midst of that tree, there was one limb who reached out there. And the very crux of that one limb was a bird's nest. And in that bird's nest was a bird whose eyes were closed and wings were spread to cover her eggs. And she didn't have a care in the world. In the midst of all the chaos that was around her, in the midst of this huge waterfall, in the midst of this impending doom that would happen if her or one of her eggs rolled out of that nest, in the midst of these huge storm clouds that were gathering, she rested on her eggs with her wings covering her little ones, and she was the perfect picture of peace, not because there was a beautiful situation, because in the midst of chaos, she recognized there was one place that held her secure. There was one place that she didn't have to worry about the waterfall or the storm. There was one place that in that moment, in that present moment, she could rest comfortable. You see, when we recognize that even in the midst of chaos, we can have peace because it's not about our circumstances. It's about the one who holds us faithfully and walks with us faithfully, even in the midst of it all. You see, when we see these difficult times, peace is knowing the child that the angel talks about in verse 11. In verse 11, this good news that is great joy. And the angel goes on to say, Today, a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born to you in the city of David. You see, the good news is not a day without conflict. The good news is not a day without trouble. The good news is not winning the lottery and having all of your financial bills taken care of. The good news is that God has come down to be with us. That we find peace, not in our circumstances, but in His presence. In the presence that starts us on the path of righteousness. In this presence that allows us to come back to our Creator. In the presence of the One who opens the gate and says, Come back to Me. Be reunited with Me. Come and find your place where you were created to be and you were supposed to be come and find the place where your sins are taken care of and your rebellion is remembered no more come and rest in the assurance that when you come to me you're held securely and safely because he is the messiah he is the savior he is the lord and we rest and we find peace in his strength not in our strength or in our circumstances you see maybe there are some of you sitting here this morning and you're saying yeah michael i know i know that story I've heard that story since I was a kid. And, and you can talk about the peace that it brings all you want to, but there's no peace in my life right now. And, and, and I don't feel this peace that you're talking about. And, and I don't feel this, this assurance that you're talking about. And so if that's you this morning, I want to finish with this one last idea. I want to finish with this one thing. You see, there's a difference between knowing about peace and knowing peace. You see, to get the peace of Christ... You have to be willing to act on the revelation of God. You have to be willing to act on the information that you've been given. See, Luke's story of Christmas 
it goes on to say that there was one angel and he was talking to the shepherds and the birth of Christ. And then all of a sudden there was this whole multitude of angels and they break out in praise. In verse 14, the angels, all of them, multitude, we don't know how many, are saying glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to the people he favors. The word favor there can be translated as delights in or takes pleasure in. It can also be translated as desire or longing for something that is absent. You see, these shepherds have a desire for peace. They're longing for it because they know that something is missing in their life. They know there's a relationship and a connection that has not been there. And so they're longing for this desire and this relationship because God has planted it in their heart. You see, and they just don't want to know about Jesus. They want to know Jesus. And I want you to look with me in verse 15, because in verse 15, they take action on desire to know him. And verse 15 says, when the angel had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. You see, these group of shepherds had this amazing encounter with an angel and not just one angel. Then they had this amazing encounter with all of these angels. And then they're gone. Just as soon as they came, they're gone. And it's just this group of men, single men, standing there with their sheep. And they're like, well, that was, that was fun. That was, a, that was a cool story. Let's go back to the sheep. Right? And that's not the way the story goes. What happens in the story is they get this promise of peace. They get this idea that there is a Savior who's born. And so they don't just stay around. They don't just say, hey, that was a good story. Thanks, angels, for sharing story time with us today. They don't just sit there and say, hey, let's go back to our life and act like we never got information. They don't just turn around and go back like nothing ever happened. Instead, what do they do? They go straight to the place of peace. If this is where peace is found, then this is where I want to be. If this is what it takes to find peace, this is what I want. And they act on the information that they were given. And so some of you are sitting here this morning and you're going to miss the peace of God because you're not going to act on the information that you've been given. You see, God has revealed to you the place of peace. He's revealed to you the Prince of Peace. And the only question that you have to answer this morning is will you come to Him? You see, the invitation is for everybody sitting in this room. The invitation for everybody watching online. There's none of you. The invitation is not open for. The question is, will you respond to it? Will you go to the place of peace? Will you come and act like the shepherds? Will you act on the information that God has given you? Will you have this peace that's available to you? And, and to, to, or will you be content with just knowing that it's there? That's a good story, Michael. Thanks a lot. I've heard the Christmas story. I've heard it every year. I've heard it every single time. You see, it's not about hearing it. It's about responding to it. And the shepherds, they don't just hear the story. To find peace, they go to the place of peace to find the Prince of Peace. And so this morning, my challenge to you sitting here this morning is if you're looking for peace, it's not because it's not available to you. Maybe it's because you haven't taken the steps to go find where it is. And we don't have to search for it. We don't have to have a map for it because we've already been revealed to us. This is the place of peace. This is where peace is found. Now it's up to you to respond to it. Let's pray together.